So Eliyahu Hanavi, Elijah the prophet, is today known as an angel who visits our satyrs, who visits our brises, our circumcisions, and who comes to save people during when they are in trouble. But Eliyahu Hanavi, Elijah the prophet, was a real person and a Jewish leader who actually lived about 2,700 years ago. And his story is told over a number of chapters in the book of Kings. It starts Kings 1.17 is where the story starts. And it goes for about six chapters telling the story of Eliyahu Hanavi. So now while his story, his story opens, he's already a well-known prophet and already a Jewish leader. The book of Kings, the book of Malachim, does not tell us anything about his background, where he came from, his rise to leadership. We don't get, we don't get any details. He just shows up before the king at the time, um, and the story starts. He's already clearly a prophet and a recognized leader. He's called, in the book of Kings, Eliyahu HaTishbi, Eliyahu the Tishbite. Presumably, that's where he came from. He came from a town called Toshav. So coming from Toshav means village in Hebrew. But the name of the town he came from was presumably Toshav. And so therefore, he's called Hatishbi. What was his background? So we actually have various traditions. There's a fascinating Midrash that says that the sages debated as to which tribe Eliyahu Hanavi came from. One sage said that he came from the tribe of Binyamin the tribe of Benjamin. The other sage said, no, he came from the tribe of God. And as they were debating, Eliyahu Hanavi himself shows up and says, I am from the tribe of Benjamin. The Talmud, however, tells us that Eliyahu Hanavi was a Kohen, which would mean that he was from the tribe of Levi. And in fact, there's a number of sources that say that Eliyahu Hanavi was a Kohen, meaning he was, which would mean in the descendant of Aaron, he is from the tribe of Levi. In fact, the Talmud gives an interesting statement, tells us that Pinchas ze Eliyahu. Elijah, Eliyahu Hanavi, is actually Pinchas. Now, Pinchas was a figure mentioned in the Torah. He's the grandson of Aaron, son of Elazar, the son of Aaron, who rose to fame. Um, at the end of, toward the end of the Torah, um, at the end of the 40 years, when there was a Shimonite prince called Zimri, who wanted to, um, who publicly um, took a Midianite princess and demanded Moses to allow, or was publicly um, uh, being intimate with her, and Pinchas killed them both. And God rewarded Pinchas for that. And so the Talmud says that Pinchas is Eliyahu. Now we know Pinchas after the death of his father, Elazar, who became high priest after Aaron's death, after Elazar's death, Pinchas became high priest. And he's found, that's found in the book of Joshua. So the Talmud says Pinchas was Eliyahu. Now commentaries debate what that means. Some say that he actually was Pinchas. Now, Pinchas lived in the days of Moses. He was young, a young man in the days of Moses. He was born before the Exodus. He was a young man in the days of Moses. In the days of Joshua, Pinchas was an older man 
and he was a leader. He was the high priest um, after Joshua's death. But by the time of Eliyahu, Eliyahu lived 500 years after the death of Moses. So for him to be the same person, he would be very, very, very old at the time. So others suggest that he wasn't Pinchas himself, but he was a descendant of Pinchas. Or he was a spiritual heir to Pinchas. Why? Well, the connection between Pinchas and Eliyahu is pretty clear. God speaks of Pinchas as a zealot. He was zealous with my zealotry in killing um, Zimri, the Shimonite prince, and the Midianite princess, Cosby. He killed them. He was zealous for me, says God. Eliyahu and Avi Elijah, the prophet later, uses the same words. He says, I was zealous to God. And so he uses that same term, calling himself a zealot, in that way being at least, if not an actual descendant, if not Pinchas himself or an actual descendant, definitely being a spiritual heir to or a spiritual continuation of Pinchas being a zealot for God. And so we know nothing about Eliyahu Hanavi's early life, where he studied Torah, um, are the Maimonides says that Eliyahu was a student of Achia Hashiloni, who was a prophet in the days of King David, King Solomon. Um, Eliyahu lived um, almost a century later, but he was a student. That's what the Maimonides says. And so um, Eliyahu Navi, though, first appears, first shows up. He's a recognized prophet. He's a recognized leader. And he actually shows up and speaks. He, he shows up in the days of King Ahav. Ahav was the second major house of the northern kingdom. Um, after the days of King Solomon, the kingdom of Israel split into two. There was a southern kingdom, which ruled over two tribes. It was known as the kingdom of Judah, Yehuda, but it included also the tribe of Benjamin, of Binyamin. And um, it was led from Jerusalem by descendants of the house of David, first Solomon's son, Rehavam, and then continued, continuously led by the house of David. The northern kingdom split off from the southern kingdom and was known as the kingdom of Israel. It was a kingdom of 10 tribes. It was at first led by Yeravam from the tribe of Ephraim and, um, and uh, his descendants, his son, his grandson. Later, there were coups um, and a bunch of a civil war, and eventually a general called Zimri from the tribe of Manasseh seized control, and uh, his family, at least for a couple generations, were kings over Israel. Ahav was the second of the Zimri family of that line to be king. He was a very wicked king, and notable that he introduced idol worship to Israel. He married Izebel, who was the Jezebel, who was the um, daughter of the Sidonite king. And um, she was a great worshiper of the Baal, which was a Sidonite idol. And so she introduced the Baal to Israel. So Eliel first arrives in the days of the king of Ahab. Now, the Talmud gives us a little background as to this encounter when Eliel first met the king. 
what happened was like this. It tells us in the book in the book of Kings that there was a fellow called Chiel Beis Ha'eli. Chiel Beis Ha'eli decided was a wicked individual who decided he wanted to rebuild the city of Jericho. The city of Jericho had originally been a Canaanite city in the days of Joshua. And God had, it was the first city that Israel captured when they entered the promised land. They famously circled Jericho for seven days. The walls of Jericho fell to the ground and they captured the city of Jericho. Joshua declared Jericho, the, all the spoils of Jericho forbidden, donated to God. And Joshua decreed that no one should ever rebuild Jericho. Joshua said, anybody who rebuilds Jericho, when they begin the foundations, their first child will die. And as they continue building, all their children will die. And when they put up the gates, completing the city, their last child will die. So for some 500 years after Joshua, the city of Jericho lay in ruins. Until Chiel Beisaeli came along and he decided he wanted to rebuild the city of Jericho, despite Joshua's curse. And the book of Kings, it tells us that Chiel Beisaeli rebuilt the city of Jericho when he began his first son dying. He continued building. His children continued to die through the building. He kept going. When he completed his last son died. And he had no regrets. He didn't believe that his children dying was a result of Joshua's curse. So he was sitting, so the Talmud tells us that right after that, the next verse, Elijah meets Ahav. The Talmud tells us that what happened was Chiel was sitting in mourning, sitting Shiva for his youngest son who had died when he had completed the city of Jericho. And the king of Israel, Ahav, came to, was his friend, came to see him at the Shiva house. And Ahav and Chiel were both ridiculing Joshua's curse saying it cannot be any connection between the two. Eliyahu Hanavi, Elijah the prophet, walked in to the house. And he hears them ridiculing the um, curse of, of um, Joshua. They tell Eliyahu, and Ahab tells Eliyahu, it cannot be that Chiel's children died because of Joshua's curse, despite what everyone is saying. And Eliyahu says, why not? And so Ahav says, well, who's greater, Moses or Joshua? Of course, Moses. Moses was the teacher. We got the Torah from Moses. Well, says Ahav, Moses says in the Torah that if you worship other gods, if you worship other gods, then there'll be no rain what it says in the Torah, stop raining if you worship idols. It says, Ahav, it, we've been worshiping idols for a while already. It still rains. So Moses' curses don't come true. For sure, Joshua's curses don't come true. So Eliyahu says, you, um, um, you don't appreciate, you're, you ungrateful one. God is being merciful to you. Though you're worshiping idols as being merciful and still providing rain. But because of your 
um, because of your claim, your challenge to God, Eliyahu says, I'm telling you, there will not be rain in Israel until I say so. And it didn't rain. There was no rain after that. And so Ahab wanted to have Eliyahu punished for having created this drought, being responsible for this drought. So God tells Eliyahu to flee. And he goes to a cave next to the Chris stream near the Jordan. And over there he drinks from the stream. And we're told ravens brought him food twice every day. The birds carried the food for him. Where did they get the food from? So there's a debate in the Talmud. Some says they got the food from King Ahab's kitchen. Here we go to King Ahab's kitchen, pick up food and bring it to Eliyahu Hanavi. How was King Ahab's kitchen? He was a wicked man. How was his kitchen kosher? Well, as we'll see soon, his um, the head of his household was actually a very righteous person. The leader of Ahab's household was Avadja the prophet. And so he, Ahab's kitchen was kosher. Or another opinion says they took it not from Ahab, but from the king of Yehuda of Judah at the time in Jerusalem, Yehoshaphat, who was a very righteous king. Regardless, Eliel spent about a year there um, in this cave near the Jordan. After a year, the stream dried up. There had been a year without rain. And so Eliyahu, uh, on God's instructions, goes to a town called Tsarfat in northern Israel near Tzidom, near Sidon. Over there, he meets a widow and her son. And he asks her for food. He says, please give me a little food. She says, I have nothing. There's a, there's a drought. There's a famine. There's no food. All I have is a drop of flour, a drop of oil. I'm going to go use the flour and oil to make myself a little bread. It's going to be the last thing I'm going to eat with my son before we die of starvation. Eliyahu says, do not worry. Go make me some bread. And I promise you that the flour that's left in your, in your container and the oil in the jug is not going to run out until the famine is over. And indeed, that's what happened. She made bread, and there was continuously more flour in her container and more oil in the jug. And she continued to feed Eliyahu. Eliyahu stayed there, and she continued to feed him throughout the rest of the famine. Not long afterwards, her child became sick, and her child died. She came to Eliyahu. She said, I've been helping you. You came to me, and instead my child dies. And so Eliyahu goes, he takes the child, and he takes him upstairs. He turns to God, and he prays to God, and he says, please, God, save this child, help this child. Then he stretches out himself over the child three times, and the child wakes up. And he brought the child down to his mother and he said, here's your child. Then, after three years of famine, there is no water, there's three years of drought, it hasn't rained in Israel for three years. So God tells Eliyahu to go back to Ahav, it is time to end the drought. Ahav, meanwhile, um, has animals, royal animals that belong to his palace, but there's no water to feed the animals, the animals are dying of thirst. 
So he turns to Avadi, his chief of staff. He says, let's go find water together. He doesn't trust any of his servants. He knows of his servants. He sends his servants to find water. They'll take it for themselves. Everybody's thirsty. There's no water. So they go, Achav and Avadi say, start searching for water. And then at one point, Achav says, you know, let's split up. I'll go one direction. You go the other direction. So they split up. Avadi doesn't go very far. And who does he see? He sees Eliyahu. And... Eliyahu sees him, and, um, and Eliyahu tells Avaja, tell Achav, go back to Achav and tell him that I'm going to appear before him. Avaja says, I'm afraid to do so. We've been looking for you for three years. We haven't been able to find you. I'll go back to Achav, say, I just met Eliyahu, and then you're going to disappear again. And then he'll have me killed for that. And don't you know, says Avaja, that... During this time, Ahab's wife, Izevel, had tried to kill all of the prophets and all of the Jewish leadership. And I hid 50 prophets in one cave and 50 prophets in another cave. And I'm supporting them. If I die, all those prophets who are in hiding die. And so Eliyahu says, don't worry, I promise you by God, whom I stand before, I will appear before Ahab. So Avadja runs back to Achav. He finds him. He says, I just guess who I just met? Eliyahu. And not long after that, Eliyahu shows up, comes to Achav. And Achav says, what are you doing, Eliyahu? You're the one who has destroyed Israel. And Eliyahu says, it's not I who destroy Israel. It is you who destroy Israel because of your wicked ways and your idolatry. So Avadja tells, so, sorry, Eliyahu tells um, Achav, I want you to bring all of Israel to Mount Carmel. Mount Carmel is a mount that overlooks the Haifa Bay. The city of Haifa is on the slopes of Mount Carmel. I want you to bring all of Israel to Mount Carmel, along with all 450 Baal prophets and 400 Asherah prophets, which was another idol that they had. Bring them all to Mount Carmel. And tell all the people of Israel to gather at Mount Carmel. And so they do so. Eliyahu comes to Mount Carmel, all the prophets of the Baal, 450 of them are there. The Asherah prophets apparently didn't show up. And all of Israel is there. And Eliyahu calls on the people and he says, Why are you going on both sides? If you believe in the Baal, follow it. If you believe in Hashem, in our, our God, follow him. And apparently they were going a little bit of both. And so the um, and so then he says, well, this is what we're going to do. We will bring two bulls. And we will each build an altar. The Baal prophets will build an altar to their God. They'll put wood on the altar. They'll slaughter the bull, put the bull on the altar. And I'll do the same. And then they'll pray to their God. No, but they won't light a fire. And I won't either. They'll pray to their God to see if he brings fire to provide the fire, and I will pray to mine, and we will see who is the true God. And so they agree to this wager, this competition. So Eliel turns to the Baal prophets and says, there's 450 of you, there's one of me, so you guys go first. So they agree, they take a bull, they build an altar, they put wood on the altar, they slaughter the bull, and put it on the altar, they begin to pray to their God. 
And they pray and pray and pray, and nothing happens. Eliel begins to make fun of them. He says, maybe your God is in a meeting. Maybe you got to scream a little louder. Maybe he's in the middle of a meeting. Maybe he's gone to war. Or maybe he's relieving himself. And they continue to scream, and nothing happens. The Talmud tells us that they were a little smarter. Um, they weren't going to take any chances. They actually had somebody hide inside the altar. So they could light the fire from the inside. Inside, and they made the altar hollow and they built it. And uh, they had someone inside who could light the fire from underneath. And God came and God had sent a snake that bit the person. The person died. They weren't able to light it. But nothing happened. Then the afternoon came. They cried all morning. Nothing happened. Afternoon came. And now it was Eliyahu's turn. Eliyahu took 12 stones corresponding to the 12 tribes of Israel. And he built an altar. He put wood on the altar. And then he dug a ditch. A big ditch all around the altar. He slaughtered his bull and he placed it on the altar. And then he called on people to pour water over the altar. And they poured water over the altar, soak, soaking the water, soaking the altar and the bull and the wood until they filled the entire ditch around the altar. The water went off down off the sides of the altar, filled the ditch, was filled with water. And then Eliyahu Anavi turned to God in prayer. And he said, Aneni Hashem, Aneni, answer me, God, answer me. Show this people that you are the true God. And as he said those words, as he said those words, suddenly a fire appeared and it consumed the bull, the wood, the stones, all the, the dirt under the altar, all the water under the altar was all gone. Just a hole was left. When the people saw this, they all fell on their faces and they said, Hashem hu Elohim, God, Hashem is the true God. And they all recognized Hashem as the true God. Eliel says, quickly grab the Baal prophets. They grabbed the Baal prophets. They killed them all. And um, people now recognized Hashem. Eliel then calls his attendant and he says, go check at the edge of the mountain See if you see any clouds. He says, I don't see any clouds. He says, go check again. See if you see any clouds. Checked again. I don't see any clouds. Check again. He went check again. He said, I see one tiny cloud at the edge of the, at the very, very edge of the horizon. And so he says, go tell Ahab that he better race home back to Shomron, Samaria, where he lived. A little distance from, um, from Mount Carmel. He better race home because he's going to get caught in the downpour. And indeed, not long later, um, as Ahav is still on his way home, it begins to pour. The drought was over and it begins to rain and rain. That's a powerful story of Eliyahu at Mount Carmel, perhaps the most famous story of Eliyahu. Then, however, Achav comes home to his wife, Izevel. Izevel, who was a wicked woman, as we said, she was the daughter of the um, Sidonite king and an idolater herself, one who had introduced idols to Israel. Here's what had happened and how the Baal prophets had all been killed. She's furious at Eliyahu. And she says she's going to have Eliyahu killed. 
Eliyahu flees. He runs south to Be'er Sheva, which is in southern Israel. It was in the kingdom of Yehuda. And from there, he leaves his attendant and he goes to the desert. He goes out to the desert. And there he's in the desert and he turns to God and he asks God to end his life. Perhaps he felt his mission was unsuccessful. He had made this powerful miracle at Mount Carmel and showed all the people the true God. And there they're back at it, back at worshiping idols and Ezeva wants to kill him. Um, and uh, she, she's still out to get him. His life is still in danger. And so an angel then appears and gives him food and drink, tells him to eat and drink. And he does so. And then he travels south for 40 days until he reaches Chorev on Mount Sinai. Over there, standing at Mount Sinai, God appears to Eliyahu and God says, Eliyahu. Eliyahu, what are you doing here? And Eliyahu says, in his famous response to Hashem, he says, I was zealous to Hashem. The people have forsaken your covenant. They've forsaken your covenant. They've killed your prophets. They've smashed your altars. And they want to kill me too. So God then gives Elio a number of, tells him to go back, gives him a number of instructions, including anointing a new king for Aram, a nation north of, north of Israel, anointing a new king over Israel, and appointing his own successor, Elisha, as his successor as leader, spiritual leader of Israel. So Eliyahu Hanavi then returned to Israel, to northern Israel, appears to have somehow escaped Izevel's wrath. And he shows up, he's back in Israel, back as a leader, he comes up again later. Ahab has another incident. He was a wicked king. He had a relative whose name was Navos. And Navos had his vineyard next to Ahab's vineyard in the Israel Valley. And Ahab really wanted to get Navos's vineyard. He asked Navos to sell him the vineyard. Navos refused. He said, it's my ancestral property. I got it from my ancestors. I'm not selling it to you. Ahab insisted. Navos refused. So Ahav came home. He was very sad. He couldn't get the vineyard he wanted, even though he's king. Ezebel said, no problem, I'll take care of it, his wife. She hired witnesses to testify that Neville's had committed a crime on trumped-up charges. They testify against him in court. Testimonies found to be true. He's convicted and killed. Ahav then takes the vineyard. Eliyahu Hanavi comes to Ahav and says, Haratzachta gam yarashta. Did you murder and then inherit as well? Um, a phrase that became famous afterwards. And tells him, because of what you have done, you will be killed. Your dynasty will be destroyed. And you will, um, and one day the, the dogs will eat your carcass. Um, because of what you have done. So um, indeed, not long afterwards, there's a war with the northern nation of Aram. Ahav is indeed killed in battle. His son Ahaziah becomes king. Ahaziah is also an idolater. Ahaziah um, gets sick, is injured once, 
in a war, he gets he's sick. Um, he turns to the an idol called um, he turns to an idol called Balzvov, um, which literally means the fly, and um, for asking for help. And Eliel shows up and says, "Why are you turning to this idol? Why don't you turn to Hashem, to the Jewish God?" He says, "Because you turn to an idol, you will die from your illness." And indeed, Achazia, um, Achav's son, dies from his illness. Later, Yehoram, the son of Achazia, grandson of Achav, um, is going to be um, assassinated and the entire family of Achav wiped out. At this point, Eliyahu is ready to go up to, is ready to, his life has come to an end. Um, he is with his student, Elisha, who is his main student. And he tells Elisha, today is the day I have to leave you. Um, please stay here. Please don't come with me. But Elisha insists on following his teacher. And he follows his teacher. We did a class on Elisha a few weeks ago. He insists on following his teacher. He follows his teacher as his teacher um, crosses the Jordan. Other prophets come to Elisha and said, don't you know that Eliel is disappearing today? And Elisha says, yes, I know, but I want to go with him. And then he's ready to say goodbye to Elisha. And Eliel says, ask me for anything you want. Elisha says, give me double your spirit. I want double the godly spirit of prophecy that you have. Eliel says, you've asked a very, very difficult thing. If you see me when I disappear, you see what happens to me, then you will get it. Then your wish will be granted. They continue walking and suddenly a fiery chariot with fiery horses appear between them. And Eliel Hanavi climbs onto the fiery chariot and the fiery chariot ascends to the heavens. And Elisha doesn't see his teacher anymore. He tears his garments. He cries out, Avi, Avi, my father, my father, Rechav Yisrael Prashav, the chariot of Israel and its horsemen. You're the leader of Israel. You're gone. And with that, Eliyahu is gone, never seen again by Elisha. Elisha goes back. Elisha now becomes the leader of Israel. What actually happened to Eliyahu? It's unclear. Commentaries debate as to what may have happened. Some suggest, um, Radak of Kimchi suggests that, yes, Eliel did die. He was burned up in the chariot. His soul ascended to heaven, um, but his, his body would have been entirely burned up. Others, Rabag, others suggest, no, he didn't die. His rather, his body somehow became, went from being a physical body to becoming spiritual. He became a spiritual being, but his body wasn't destroyed or burned, but rather somehow evaporated and became a spiritual being. Other commentaries say that his body's still there, and therefore he can show up whenever he wants and get his soul goes back into his body, and um, he reappears in various places. So it's unclear exactly what happened to Eliyahu. What is clear is that Eliyahu became an angel of sorts or a spiritual being. Um, that can and has reappeared. Um, throughout history, there have been reports of, throughout Jewish history since the death of Eliyahu, there have been reports of sightings of Eliyahu Hanavi. 
The prophet Malachi calls him Malachabrit, the angel of the covenant. Our tradition is that at every Brit, at every circumcision, um, Eliyahu Hanavi shows up. The reason is, the reason given is because he had accused Israel of forsaking the covenant. He says, Your nation Israel have forsaken your covenant. Eliyahu accused us of forsaking our covenant. God said, well, you're going to have to go and watch every single bris, every single time that they entered, they joined the covenant to show that you were wrong. And uh, we have a tradition, similarly, that Eliyahu visits our Seder. We even have a cup that we put out for Eliyahu um, at the Seder. And again, to um, testify that we continue to follow our God's covenant. There's also a tradition that when Shabbat ends, as the holiness of Shabbat ends, it is a time when Eliyahu Hanavi appears. And therefore, we have special poems written about Eliyahu Hanavi that we recite on Saturday night, on the um, eve after Shabbat. And uh, there's also a tradition, we make a meal after Shabbat called Malava Malka, where we accompany the Shabbat queen, where we say goodbye to her. Um, and that's a meal where Eliyahu Hanavi appears as well. Many of our sages over the years have spoken to Eliyahu Hanavi. Notably, there was a sage in the Talmud called Rabbi Yeshua ben Levi, who the Talmud says regularly would speak to Eliyahu Hanavi. There were other, many other Talmudic sages who, had, who spoke to Eliyahu Hanavi or spoke about, mentioned speaking about to um, Eliyahu Hanavi. There were later sages uh, throughout much of our history who spoke to Eliyahu Hanavi. There was even one sage in the Talmud called Rav Anan, who Eliyahu Hanavi would appear to and teach regularly. To the point that Rav Anan wrote down those teachings that he heard from Eliyahu Hanavi in a book that we have today called Tana Deve Eliyahu, the teachings of the school of Eliyahu. They were taught to him by Eliyahu Hanavi. So he's also, Eliyahu Hanavi has reappeared to teach people Torah throughout history. Um, he's also reappeared to help people when they were in trouble, to help Jews or communities when they were in trouble. Um, and so there's been many, many sightings of Eliyahu Hanavi reported in the years since. The prophet Malachi, the final book of our prophets, says at the very end of the book, that I am going to send you the prophet before the great awesome day in the future comes. Before the coming of Moshiach before the future times, Eliyahu Hanavi is going to come to tell us that Moshiach is coming. He's going to be the announcer to announce that the time is coming. And he continues, that he'll bring the hearts and parents and children back together, bringing peace to the world. So before the coming of Moshiach, we know Eliyahu Hanavi will come. In fact, the Talmud tells us that many of the questions that we have in Torah, things we don't understand, things we're unsure about, the Talmud always says, Elijah will come, Eliyahu Hanavi will come, and he'll resolve all of our problems for us. 
So many questions. The Talmud says, just wait for Eliyahu to come. He will explain it. He will tell us what to do. He will explain to us what the laws should be. So Eliyahu is therefore the prophet that we are waiting for, the one who is Mevaser HaGeulah, who is going to announce the future redemption. And therefore we pray for the return of Eliyahu Hanavi, for Eliyahu Hanavi to come and appear to show and speak of the future redemption. So Eliyahu Hanavi was, as we said, a man who existed as a person, as a um, prophet, as a leader in ancient times, as well as um, he is the only one described in Tanakh not to have died, but to have ascended in this fiery chariot. And uh, we believe that since then he's become an angel or spiritual being who reappears on earth. There's been many, many hundreds of individuals in a, of leaders, not just you know random people, but Jewish leaders and scholars over the years who reported speaking to meeting him and speaking to him. Um, and the prophet Malachi says that Eliyahu Hanavi is going to come to um, herald the redemption or announce the future redemption, the coming of Moshiach in our days. May he come very soon, hopefully today, announcing the coming of Moshiach. Let me now open it to some questions. Louis? Rabbi? So, oh. so can can then uh, Eliyahu uh, almost be interpreted as possibly being the equivalent to Mashiach? No, because Moshiach is going to be from the tribe of David. He's going to be the leader. Eliyahu is just the one that's going to announce his coming. Oh, so wrong shave it. Eliel is not going to be Moshiach. Eliel is the announcer of Moshiach. Aline? Um, Rabbi, yes. when they were, um, he dug a trench around the altar and he told everybody to draw, uh, to pour water in all over the altar. They were still in a drought. Where Excellent did the water question. come from? Excellent question. Simple answer is they were standing on Mount Karma, which overlooks the Haifa Bay, so they had the ocean right there. Um, the Talmud actually says, gives a different answer to that question. Talmud asks the question, and the Talmud says the water was miraculous. Water appeared miraculously. Hmm. That was an excellent question. Barry? No, I'm okay. You're okay. Okay, Susan? I don't have any questions. You did a good job. No, excellent. Okay. Well, thank you all. Are there any other questions? I have a question that doesn't refer, it has nothing to do with Elijah. Right, let's just fin let, let's finish off then. Uh, well, th okay. Thank you all then for joining. We will, God willing, next week, we will um, next um, join us back next week. Next week, we're going to talk about the building of the temple. Who built the temple in Jerusalem? We'll talk about both the first temple in Jerusalem, the second temple, and who built those temples.